0: Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely.
1: I am so excited about a way that you can truly live your life to the fullest. It's our newest product called the Ziegler Vault. I'll take just a minute to tell you what's up on the web. The Vault includes all of Zig's best audio and video materials. It's for you to access wherever and whenever you want to for a monthly subscription of $14.97. You can listen and watch whatever topic you want to learn more about, as well as download your favorites. Weekly, we are adding new information and new speakers. You're certainly welcome to call me for more information, 972-383-3268. You can also find some good help at ZigglerVault.com. Welcome to the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Hello there, I'm Blake Lindsay. Welcome to the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. I tell you what I've been doing and I sure hope you are too. Sharing Zig's motivational freebie with as many people as possible. The Ziggler Inspire Podcast is here every week and we're glad you are too. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what do my customers want? I imagine you probably have. Well, today you are going to find out the answer to that question. Let's listen together to Brian Flanagan, a co-presenter with Zig Ziglar, as he walks us through the thought process of what it is your customer really wants.
2: Because selling is a great profession, and we want to make sure that we enjoy it. Because if you're not enjoying the profession, guess what? The people you're calling on aren't enjoying it either. Now, I said earlier that I had a distaste for sales. Well, that happens to all of us. Let me me ask the question, see if it happened to you. When you were getting out of school, going into the business world, when you were getting out of school, going into the business world, how many of you, by show of hands, how many of you had a passion, a burning desire to be a professional salesperson? One guy and his hand didn't go all the way up. Oh, man, man. Well, what happened? Now, give me some feedback on this. Since I'm the second oldest person here, When my generation was growing up, we had this connotation about selling. Somebody mentioned salesperson, saleswoman, salesman, selling career. We had these negative connotations about selling. What negative connotations did you have about selling? I'm sorry? Thief. All right, thank you for that. Thief. What else? Manipulator. Manipulator, thank you. I'm working here. (laughs) What else? They're pushy. Now, time out. Let's take thief, manipulator, and pushy. You're a salesperson now. What happened? If those were the negative connotations that you had getting into the business world from your past, what happened to you? See, the same thing happened to you that happened to me. My kids found out that other kids in the neighborhood were eating three meals a day. (laughs) What I found out was that I thought selling was hype and deception. Selling isn't hype and deception. But that was my taste back when I was growing up that selling was hype and deception. I have no idea how I got that. I have no idea what was put in my head. But I thought selling was hype and deception. So here's the story of how I got into sales. I'd been dating Cindy for four years, and we wanted to get married, and I couldn't get a job offshore. Now, I'm from Louisiana. I went to LSU when it was still accredited. <laughs> and what happened was at LSU, if you could... If if you could work out of doors in the sun for long periods of time and pick heavy things up, you could get a job in the oil fields or the the rigs offshore, but the crews were gone by the time I got there. So I went to work for IBM in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the typewriter division of IBM, delivering typewriters, copy or paper. I worked there a year, my second senior year in college. (laughs) I graduated, and the half of the class had made the top half possible. And what happened when I got out of school, they hired me, they put me in the office For two months before they sent me to Dallas, Texas to sales school. They spent $50,000, in those three months, they spent $50,000 trying to build a sales professional. Went through the class, passed everything, I got home. They gave me a territory. It didn't work. The $50,000 they had invested in me did not work because I couldn't sell. It didn't take. I'm not blaming IBM for this. My bad. My fault. But the point was, when I got into that territory, I just couldn't sell. I was intimidated. I was scared. I quit twice a day every day. I quit when I got up. And I quit when I came home, and I was miserable in between. And part of the problem was they gave me a South Louisiana territory. Now for those of you people from Louisiana, you understand that they have a lot of French speaking Cajuns, greatest people in the nation, South Louisiana, but it's hard to break into that, that group. Plus the fact that these people were skeptical of me, they were skeptical of IBM, several of them were skeptical of electricity. <laughs> we walk, I walked into... <laughs> I walked into one place in Eberville Parish, Plaquemine, Louisiana. Iberville Parish, Plaquemine, Louisiana. I sat down and I leaned over. There was a coffee shop that they had, coffee room, and there were three of my customers seated around the table reading the obituary column trying to figure out why people died in alphabetical order. <laughs> they were strange people. But let me tell you what I learned. Write this down at the bottom of your page there somewhere. Write this down. They taught me the number one law of sales. The number one law of sales states... Timid salespeople, timid salespeople, have skinny kids. <laughs> if you're not stepping up to the challenges, your competitor is. If you're not growing, your competitor is. If the competitor is getting to the future before you are, you're going to have skinny kids. And the point I'm trying to make to you, step up to the challenge. That's why you're here today. Congratulations on stepping up to that challenge. So I tried to do this a little bit better. Now, I was... <laughs> They they should have gotten rid of me at IBM because in those days we had one typewriter that we had the exclusive. We had that old ball typewriter. Some of you are too young to remember ball typewriter. That old Selectric typewriter. Well, I couldn't make my quota selling the exclusive that IBM had. I missed my numbers, made my numbers, missed my... And of the six years I was there, I failed three of the years, didn't make my quota. Well, I did a lot of things well. So what did they do? After my six year? they promoted me to sales trainer. Those who can do. (laughs) Those who can't teach. (laughs) And those who can't teach, teach selling. (laughs) So here I am. (laughs) I get to the 23rd floor of one main place. I get out and I look at all these people from different parts of the world. Kathy was from Chicago. Linda was from New York. Joe was from Seattle. Ron was from Boston. Mike was from Atlanta. And I was a little Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Little guy from a little town that had a little image of himself. So every day I'd get out of the elevator, I'd run to my office, and I'd close the door think I could fake it another day because I wasn't in the same league with these other 24 staff people that were vying for the next job. So Cindy hadn't finished her, her teaching in, in Louisiana yet, so she hadn't moved. I was living in a hotel. One of my buddies said, Brian, go out and buy a book. I love this book. You ought to go out and buy it. Buy a book called See at the Top by a guy named Zig Ziglar. Well, as you can see, this is the first book. It's kind of dog It's mine. It's, it's got my notes in it, and it's dog-eared, and I've, I travel with this thing. Well... I get to the office every morning early, and I start reading this book, and I got to page 48, and my world changed. On page 48, Zig says this, you cannot consistently perform in a manner that's inconsistent with the way you see yourself. You cannot consistently perform in a manner that's inconsistent with the way you see yourself. Your self-image will lead you to the top of the stairway or put you on an escalator to the basement. My mother had told me that for 30 years. My wife had told me that for 8 years. But until an outsider put it in black and white, it had no meaning to me. I liked that. I needed that. I internalized that page. In fact, I read the rest of the 384 pages, and two years later, I go to San Francisco, California to the largest branch office of the typewriter division as a sales manager, and I deserve to be there. Why? What changed? I submit to you that this $12.95 investment that I made in myself outperformed the $50,000 that IBM had made in me. Why? IBM was trying to build a professional. Zig was building the person. Make sure that you invest more in yourself than you do in your career. I stand and submit to you, the 17 years I've been with Zig, I've seen this and I've seen it the 14 years I've spent with the IBM Corporation. That you can try to build a professional, that's good. But I believe you build better people, they will build better professionals. And unfortunately some of us do it backwards. Make sure that you build yourself. It's very important because I'm not sure that I want a professional salespeople calling on me as much as I don't want professional people calling on me, and there's a big difference. And once again, congratulations on investing in yourself. Invest more in yourself than you do in your career. Well, and, and I'll finish the story a little later. But what happened was that I felt better about myself. I thought I had the confidence to do that. Zig sparked some things in me, and obviously, you've been sparked also. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be listening to this recording. Let's get you involved right now. If you'll turn to the next page, you'll see two boxes. You'll see two boxes. On the first box, what I'm asking you, of all the things you sell, of all the things you sell, list three things that you sell. Ready? Grow. Of all the things you sell, list three things that you sell. The other box is saying... Of all the things your customers want, of all the things your customers want, list three things that your customers want. All right, I took a little spot check, walked throughout the room, took a little spot check, and here's what I saw in the first box. All I looked was the first box of the people up front in the first couple of rolls here. What you told me you sold, you sold transportation, insurance, carpet, cars. I sell myself, I sell my company, I sell my products and services. I want to draw your attention here. If you sell yourself, that's against the law in three southern states. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you sell yourself, if you sell yourself, you better believe in the product. Let's take a look. And I didn't see what your customers want. I know that you can't read this in the, in the remedial group in the back. But I know that you, this is what you sell. This is what the customers want. If you would, kind of raise your hand and shout out what you said that you wrote here. What do your customers want? Please help me with that. What do your customers want? Yes, sir. Solution. They want solution. Let me write that up there. Do not count off for spelling. In the public school system in Louisiana, spelling was an elective. <laughs> <laughs> Customer, say solutions, thank you. What else? What do you sell? What do your customers want? I'm sorry, what do your customers want? Yes, sir. Quality. They want quality. Fair. They want service. Yes, sir. Fair prices. Fair prices. Not price. They want fair prices. <laughs> yes, sir. Lifestyle. I'm sorry, a little louder. Lifestyle. Lifestyle. Let's stop right here. I'm sorry, one more, yes, sir. Information. They want information. All right, let's stop right there. So what you said that you sold, you sold transportation, insurance, carpet cars, myself, my company, my products and services. What your customers want, solutions, quality, service, fair prices, information, and lifestyles. Man, I got here just in time. <laughs> you got a problem. If that list will look in you in the face, if that list will staring you in the face. If you're selling carpet and cars and transportation, and they wanted lifestyle quality and solutions, what's your problem? Sell the selling the wrong thing. A little louder, Tony. The wrong thing. You're selling the wrong, your list don't match. And guys, gals, your list have got to match. You're saying, Brian, that's a trick question. Wait, that's a trick question. It's not a trick question. This is a trick question. How much commission do you receive on the sales you almost close? Same commission, Zig pays me, not a zip zero. And guys, gals, you can miss the sale by this much or this much, and you make the same amount of money. This is not a trick question. This is huge. And let me tell you how huge it is. I had to fight this. I asked Zig for a job in 1981 in Phoenix, Arizona. He turned me down. He was was a better prospect than I was a salesman. March of 1984, I go to work for Zig. Here's a guy that has impacted my life, my family's life. I'm living the dream. Ninety days into this, Zig comes to my desk and says, Brian, I'd like to go to lunch. I said, Zig, I'll be there. He leaves, goes to his office. I pick up the phone. I'll call Cindy. Cindy, Zig's having lunch with me. Promotion, we've been here 90 days. Bing, bing, we're going to make some money now. We're in. We go to lunch. Zig doesn't talk about promotion. He talks about performance. He said, Flanagan, 90 days ago, we forecasted your sales as here. They've come in flat for the last 90 days. What's the deal? I thought he was going to fire me. So I leaned over and I said, I love you, man. <laughs> he said, regardless of that, what do you say? I said, Zig, every day I come to the office. I hit it a lick every day. I sell books, tapes, and seminar seats. He said, Brian, that's the problem. We don't sell books, tapes, and seminar seats at the Zig Ziglar Corporation. Zig, what do we do? <laughs> Brian, we provide information that's contained in books, tapes, and seminar seats. If our clients apply the information correctly, what we sell There's a better self, a better family, and a better career. Zig, one more time, Brian. We sell better self, better family, better career. So I look at that. I hear that. I look back six years prior when I read this book. In 1978, I was not into self-development. I was not a bookworm, a tapeworm. I didn't know that all this thing. I didn't know he had tapes in 1978. But I got this book because I didn't want to read a 384-page book. I wanted to stop being scared. I wanted to be equal. I wanted to have confidence in myself that I could compete with all these guys and gals from these large organizations and hold my own as an IBM sales manager two years when I got promoted, if I got promoted. That's what I wanted. And the problem is sometimes we interpret what we do but not what we do for the customer.
1: That is a very important point to remember in sales. What do you sell and what do your customers want? If you were to make these two lists, would they match? Today as you go about your day, Think about how you are talking to your prospects. Are you telling them all about the great features and products you have? Or are you sharing the benefits they'll receive? Tune in next week for another dose of inspiration and something to think about. Until then, I'm Blake Lindsay, encouraging you to live your life to the fullest.
0: sigler sigler
1: Inspiring true performance.